flown. I have sailed. I have moved about this world of ours. And ever in search of the finest of its kind, we bring you the tops in Audio Drama Networks. This is Mutual. The following audio drama is rated R and is recommended restricted for anyone under the age of 17. You're tuned into Midnight Radio Theater. Following the homicide death of Dr. Lynn Forrester on January 24, 2003, the police, during their investigation, uncovered a series of audio tapes. The tape recordings included Dr. Forrester's notes and interview sessions with her last known patient, John Clark. These audio tapes have become known as the suicide tapes. Listen, why don't you start by telling me what happened to you? I committed suicide. I checked myself into a motel and I slipped my wrists in the bathtub. Drifting out, I was thinking, here I go. This is it. The end, you know. But then I woke up. I mean, it must have been hours later. The water was dark red, almost black. I was shivering. My teeth were chattering. I looked at my arms.
So what did you do next? Like I said, I was freezing. I got out of the bathtub and I wrapped myself up in some blankets. And then I slept. When I woke up, I didn't know where I was. It was very confusing. I'd forgotten all about what I had did. What I what had happened. Then I went to the bathroom and there it was. Bloody water. It looked like it had had developed a, a film across the top. So I reached my arm in. I reached for the plug, and after way too long, I, I found it and I pulled it. it. Took a long time to drain. I sat there staring at it, and I became disgusted with myself. I was sick. The smell of day-old blood was making me sick. That's when I began to vomit. you try to kill yourself? I'm not sure. Were you depressed? No, I mean, I, I don't remember. I don't remember anything before, before the motel. What do you mean you don't remember? I mean, I don't remember. It's not there. It's gone. I remember the curtains. I remember the bed. of shit microwave, the bathroom, the bathtub, the water, the blood. I, none of this is supposed to be happening. I am supposed to be dead now. It's okay. It's okay. Listen, everything's going to be fine. I'm going to do everything I can to help you. We'll get your memory back, but I, you have to try and calm down now. And that's it. We're going to take this one step at a time. ask you just a few questions, okay? What's your name? <laughs> John. All right, you see? We're already on our way. Do you remember your last name? Uh, it's Clark. Do you remember where you live? We're going to get there, don't worry. All right. Now, do you remember hitting your head on anything? No. Are you suffering from headaches? No. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think so. 
What about dizziness? No, I don't, don't think so. Have you suffered any nausea or vomiting since your motel room? No. Chest pains? No. What about abdominal pain? No. Have you lost your voice recently? I don't know. I'm sorry. That's okay. You don't have to apologize. I'm just trying to find out everything I can. Do you remember how you arrived at this hospital? I'm not sure. Do you remember the ambulance taking you here? I, I, I don't know. Do you remember the name of the motel where you were staying? No, I don't know. Do you, do you, do you hear that ringing? Do you, what do you... Oh, Jesus. What do you hear? Well, it's, it's, it's this ringing. Can you get it to stop? What? Get it to stop. What is it, John? It, it, God, it hurts. John, what is it? Get it to stop. It's all right. It's all right. Calm God. down. John. <laughs> Notes January nineteenth. Okay, here we go. A big mystery patient, Mr. John Clark. He was found lying unconscious in the middle of the street two nights ago. The patient was found with no identification on him, and I believe no shirt as well. Someone called an ambulance, of course, and he was taken here to Parkland. He was admitted into ER. After they found nothing physically wrong with him, they moved him up here to us. Admitted 3 a.m. on January 16th. Initial diagnosis, schizophrenia. The patient exhibits severe paranoia with bizarre delusions. In the interview, he recounts a traumatic event. In his account, he successfully commits suicide and comes back from his own death. More details of this account are documented in my interview notes and tapes. The patient does appear to be lucid, and he undoubtedly believes his story to be true. Amnesia patient says he doesn't remember anything before his attempted suicide. Retrograde amnesia. Extremely unlikely. The patient is malingering. He remembers he's only choosing not to. I'm certain something traumatic did happen to him, and recently, what, though, attempted suicide? I'm not sure. One thing is certain, the patient is genuinely terrified of something. We're checking to see if there are any missing John Clarks in the area. I assume if found, there will be a history of mental illness. He's not a stranger to this type of facility of that, I am certain. I have scheduled a hypnotherapy session with him tomorrow. This is my decision. I know hypnotherapy is atypical, but I've used this treatment before in a somewhat similar case, and we had positive results. That's it, and out. <sighs> 
take another deep breath, breathe in and out. I want you to imagine you're in a peaceful place. There are very tall and very green trees next to you. If you reached out, you could touch the bark with your fingers. A deep, blue, calm lake sits in front of you. The surface of the water sparkles with light. There are birds singing in the trees. The water laps quietly at your feet. The sun warms your face. I want you to relax all the muscles around your neck and shoulders. Feel them relax. Feel your tensions just drift down and away. You are starting to fall asleep. Not nighttime sleep. You'll still be able to hear my voice and make all decisions. But a hypnotic sleep. You are falling asleep now. to do. You just have to talk to me. About what? A few nights ago, you checked into a motel. Do you remember? Yes. That was the night I died. Do you remember dying? Yes. Nothing else. I don't know how long I remained in that state before I was standing in the center of a large empty room. Can you describe the room? It had four doors. of the room was covered in mirror, one big mirror that extended up and around the doors. I stared at my reflection, and I looked small in this big room. Then there was a, a disruption of some kind in my reflection turned around and began to walk away from me. When the door shut, I was left there alone, staring at nothing. 
what happened. Then he came through the door. He walked up to me and put his arms around me. I was safe. Safe and sound with no one but him. Only him. Who is he? Oh, I can't tell you that. Why not? I woke up in the bathtub. What's that? John, I woke up in the bathtub. on the count of I three, I want you to wake up. One, two, three. John, can you hear me? John's not here. Where is he then? My name is Dr. Forrester. I'm here to help you. Dr. Forrester is here to help you. And where are we? We are in the psychiatric ward of Parkland Hospital. How long have I been here? You've been here four days. What do you think is wrong with me? You've suffered some memory loss, and we're working on trying to recover it for you. I want you to wake up, okay? One, two, three. <laughs> Notes, January 20th. Patient John Clark was successfully put under hypnosis. I must confess I did not expect this reaction to the treatment. My initial diagnosis of the patient could be incorrect. Although I've always been skeptical of dissociative identity disorder, DID, this appears to be a textbook case. Of course, I still cannot make any solid conclusions until I have a medical history in front of me. 
During the session, there was a severe division of the patient's mind. So far, there is only one other definite personality, but it is a clear division. And this would also give credence to the memory loss as well. Not to get ahead of myself, but if confirmed, and given the rare nature of this disorder, this could be a significant case study. I'm moving forward with the second hypnotherapy session. The patient is close to remembering something substantial, and I'm convinced this treatment is the correct approach. What is it? What's wrong? Sorry, I know that you're just trying to help me. Now don't worry about me. Just tell me what's what's going on. What's wrong? I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? Listen, John, I know that you're scared. can see that you're hurting. I can help stop that pain. But in order to do that, I have to find out what it is that's causing it. Can you understand this? Do you really think you can stop him? Yes. Yes, I do. But you have to trust me. I'll tell you what. We don't have to do it right now. There's plenty of time. We'll reschedule it, okay? Okay. Good. Now, I'm going to give you something to help you relax. First, patient John Clark. Patient refused hypnosis. I was able to convince him that it was the best course of action, and I have rescheduled another session. I'm not so sure it's the correct treatment anymore. I'm receiving so many mixed symptoms, I'm feeling as lost as the patient. Do you really think you can stop him? Do you really think you can stop him? question is disquieting. He believes this other personality, which he re refers to as him or he, if allowed, will take over. In fact, he's terrified of it. Usually in dissociative personality disorders, the other personalities are an outlet of escape from the repressed memory. And in this case, the other personality is not only the repressor, but it is the repressed memory itself or the manifestation of it. It's fascinating. I'm going through with the hypnotherapy tomorrow. We were close to something in the last session that may be the key. If for any reason the session turns destructive, I'll wake him immediately.
How are you feeling today? I feel better. You ready for this? Okay. I want you to trust me. Okay. Close your eyes. I want you to take a deep breath. Breathe in. That's it. Another deep breath, breathe in and out. I want you to imagine you're in a very peaceful place. Falling asleep now. Sleep. John, can you hear me? sound so well. I don't know if you're going to make it through this. Does that scare you? The idea that you might die in the next few minutes? If it was me. But it isn't me, is it? It's poor, poor you. Poor, poor. Here, 
These are all very good questions with answers that you will never understand. Let's just say I come from a place where there is no memory. Where the word I doesn't exist. I know this idea is very strange to you. But it's true. It's a true statement. Do you really want to know what memory is, Doctor? It's your weakness. Okay. Enough talk. I want you to try and relax now. Relax. I want you to relax. Breathe in. That's it. Breathe out. Now, I want you to imagine that you're lying down in a small metal casket. The lid is tightly shut above you. The surface is cold against your back and your shoulders. You try to move, but you cannot. Your neck is tied down. Your arms are tied. Your chest. Your legs. You try to scream, but your mouth is covered in tape. The tape is wrapped very tight around your head and mouth. You can taste the adhesive with your tongue. You can feel the space closing in on you. Tightening. It is becoming harder and harder to breathe. You can feel the air becoming thinner with every breath. Thinner and thinner and thinner. You try to breathe, but there is no air left. It feels like you're dying. It feels like you are dying. The Suicide Tapes was written, directed, and produced by Billy Sinise. All music was written and performed by Thomas Nola. Sound design, Billy Sinise. Sound mixer, Will Fox. Principal actors, Jesse James LeCourier and Jenny Littleton. This has been a presentation of Midnight Radio Theater and Sinise Productions. All rights reserved. now. Mutual of Ohm, providing spiritual insurance for your past, your present, and your future since 500 BC, proudly presents Wrinkley's Believe It or Forget About It, bringing you strange but true tales and oddities from all over this wide world. And here is your host, Mr. Robert Wrinkley. Hello, I'm Robert Wrinkley. 
And lastly, here is the story of Johnny Warden of Halifax, Nova Scotia, who, as second mate of the cargo ship SS Montblanc, miraculously survived the explosion of that vessel on December 6th, 1917, and the subsequent destruction of the Richmond district of Halifax, and the deaths of more than 2,000 Haligonians, by the simple miracle of having been in the bed of a prostitute neighboring Fort Sackville at the time. He was known as Lucky Jack for the rest of his life. He died in 1947 in Queens, New York at the age of 62. Interestingly enough, in the bed of another prostitute. Believe it or forget about it. I'm Robert Wrinkley. Ta-ta for now. You've been listening to a special feature of Pulp Paris Theater. Wrinkley's Believe It or Forget About It. Brought to you by Mutual of Ohm. Providing spiritual insurance for your past, your present, and your future since 500 BC. This is Gramercy Noun speaking. We return you now to our regularly scheduled program.